Curiosity SD, where successful San Diego leaders share their stories of leading beyond profit and are using the influence of business to positively change the companies and communities we all work and live in. I'm your host, Jeff Blanton from Jailbreak Leadership, a process that unlocks the full potential of your company by solving the problems that are impacting your growth. I want to thank our sponsors, the Collaborative Community of San Diego Business Organizations, the Better Business Bureau, Conscious Capitalism, and Be Local San Diego. We're all focused on supporting this next generation of leader. Welcome to the show. Seven years ago, when my wife and I moved to San Diego from Orange County, my friend Dino Daria invited me to an open house at Junior Achievement. At the event, Dino asked, do you know Jennifer Barnes? Dino said, you have to know Jennifer. She's everywhere in a force here in San Diego. The introduction led to a follow-up coffee where Jennifer said she needed to get going because she was going to give a talk at the local Toastmasters. I ended up joining Jennifer's Toastmaster Club, and we became friends. After seven years of watching Jennifer, Dino was right. Jennifer is a force of nature. The list of accomplishments, awards, and business achievements have been nothing short of remarkable. So I'm excited to have a chance to hear and share with you today the story behind the story. Jennifer, welcome to Conscious Curiosity SD. Oh, thank you. What a kind introduction. I'm very flattered. I appreciate it. So Jennifer is the CEO and founder of Optima Office, which provides outsourced accounting, fractional CFO, and CEO services along with human resource support. Among the many awards, Optima recently won the BBB's Torch Awards for Integrity, been identified as one of the best places to work in San Diego, and Jennifer was one of the driving forces behind the recently highly successful relaunch of Cause San Diego. And, oh yeah, <laughs> Jennifer recently became a mother to her son Mason, maybe her biggest accomplishment to date. So, Jennifer. <laughs> one of my biggest challenges, but he's so worth it. So let's start. I always love to hear a little bit of the backstory. You know, people often, I would say most of the time, we end up kind of somewhere, and it's a kind of a torturous path of getting there, and not necessarily part of some grand plan. So I always like to hear, like, well, you know, where were the where were the defining moments? Like, where are a couple of things that occurred along the path that really got you to where you are today, Jennifer? You know, I think many success stories are a bit of talent, opportunity, and luck, and being able to roll with the punches, come out on the other side stronger and, and better and stronger and faster, takes a bunch of resiliency and tenacity. But, you know, my life has never really been planned out, so to speak. I just kind of go with the flow. And being fired 10 years ago was definitely a defining moment. It was six weeks before my wedding. And I was a controller at the time. Kind of your wedding present? <laughs> yeah. Well, my husband was freaking out. He was like, oh, my God, we're about to go on a, on a honeymoon, and the wedding's expensive, and here you are getting fired. Can't you just keep your mouth shut? And, uh, you know, it didn't have anything to do with uh, me talking back or being uh, disrespectful. It was more a, a difference of opinion and of another consulting firm that I was working for. And to my great surprise, many of the clients that were working with me, I was the controller uh, for, they came with me, and the company that I was working for allowed them to come with me and actually gave me the QuickBooks files, and it was an amicable split, and many of the employees, actually, that were working under me decided to um, come work with me out of my living room. So here I am starting a brand-new company a month before my wedding. So you didn't really plan on becoming a business founder, right? You were working for somebody else, and they forced your hand, and... Yeah, it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. I mean, I... I've realized over the years I'm pretty much unemployable. 
I understand that. Yeah. I don't like buses. <laughs> yeah, I've had a one or two that were okay. The rest, you know, I always thought I had a better answer. I kind of beat by my own drum to a certain extent. I like things a certain way, and I believe really strongly in giving back and doing the right thing and being a people over profits leader. And so that doesn't always sit well with, you know, partners, <laughs> so to speak, and companies that you work for. And, you know, many businesses are very profit-driven, and they should be profitable, but to have your whole focus be on how much money you make is not necessarily, that's not my focus at least. Right. Which is kind of the whole idea of this podcast is the leaders that kind of lead differently from a higher, grander purpose yeah. for sure. Yeah. Any other significant defining moments, maybe even earlier in your career that really kind of set a tone? You know, I remember when I graduated college and I was, went to University of Arizona and I got here, oh my gosh, 22, almost 23 years ago. So it's been a while and I was working for Petco Corporation, and I was there for about three years as a sales audit analyst. I had a finance degree, so I thought I would go into the finance world. And instead, Petco thought that I'd be a really good accountant. And so they transferred me into the accounting department and said, you're going to be an accountant. And I'd only taken a few accounting courses and you know, with a finance degree. And, okay, I guess I'll, I, that's not, that makes sense. Bank reconciliations and accounting, uh, yeah, it's like a big puzzle. Okay, I'll do it. And I ended up becoming a really good accountant, and I loved it. And I think what really catapulted my career was after Petco, I ended up going and working for a, a startup mortgage company. And the owner and I had known each other for a while in college. And he gave me the opportunity to be a controller there at 24, 25 years old. So I was really young to start off as a controller. Well, we grew from 12 people on fold-out picnic tables to 200 employees. Oh, wow. And Significant. I helped the company grow, and I was leading accounting, finance, helping with IT, helping with marketing. And so I had to learn a lot quickly and it really catapulted me to you know, be a strong controller at a very young age. I think that's a interesting uh, thought right there, right? If you're in an environment that's really growing, guess what? Lots of opportunities are going to present themselves and you're going to get exposed to a lot of things. If you join, you know, say you went for the work for the city of San Diego or something, there's a career path, but you know, there's a path. <laughs> There's a path. Yeah. yeah Versus, yeah. Uh, wow, we're in something that's exploding. And, you know, if you can do the job, people will say, go do it. <laughs> right? Let's not sit around talking about it or thinking about it. So, yeah, kind of key to folks. You got to be in a place where the opportunities exist. Well, and an amazing opportunity, also a devastating crash of the housing market. And that was in 2007, 2008, when I was working for a mortgage company. And here I am, 27 years old, and the housing market crashed, and I'm the director of finance at the time of this mortgage company that had 200 people, and you know, we ended up having to lay off 140 individuals and not making payroll, and it was very stressful. So I decided to quit <laughs> that position and ended up working for a consulting firm. And that's how I got my start in consulting, and you know, one thing led to the next. And look at you today. Finding, you know, things, things just kind of work out the way that they're supposed to, even though they may not be what you had in mind. Yeah, I hear you. So along the way, I mean, since I knew you, so, I, so it's been like seven years or so, and you were involved with a, a business you founded and kind of rocking along, doing really well. And then you guys had a little bit of a partnership issue that happened. And I remember oh. seeing you like, seeing you like right, kind of right when that happened. Interesting enough was at the cause conference, I think in 2018. Right. So kind of a real shot below the water line. I mean, could take some people down. You look like you were ready for war when, when I saw you. 
But then that led to uh, launching Optima, right? And uh, today you guys are doing some amazing work and we've really built the business up over just over the last couple of years. I'd love to explore that a little bit and just talk about that because, I mean, to your point, life kind of goes along and we may have some grand plan, but things happen. And I mean, that's just part of the game. And so maybe you have some insights would be great for our audience of like, um, maybe both professionally, like, you know, what did you see or learn and go, don't ever do that again, or make sure you pay attention to this. And maybe even personally, like what were some of your, maybe your personal takeaways from that? Sure. Yeah, it was definitely a tumultuous and crazy journey that I went through back in uh, September of 2018. In 2016, we were the fifth fastest growing company in all of San Diego County, getting on Inc. 5000, best place to work. And and I had ran that for myself for about three years until the 50% partner decided to get back involved and, and help out a bit. So they were kind of a silent partner prior to that? Yeah. When I first had left the other consulting firm and I met this guy who already owned a company and it had no clients and no staff. It was just a startup at the time, almost a shell organization. And so he said, you know, you've got a book of business. I've got the company name. I've got everything ready to go. I've got some other people that can help with this. So let's go 50-50 partners. And I'm 33 years old at the time. And I'm thinking, oh, great. God, this established man and wants to help me. And we're going to do this business together. I'm about to go on my honeymoon. They can help while I'm gone. Perfect. Well, I think that was a lesson learned is don't get so overzealous, especially about partnerships. You really have to know people well before you get into business with them. It's like a marriage. It's a business marriage. And, you know, a lot can happen in a business marriage, including what happened to me. (laughs) So we're running the business together. And then uh, 2016 rolls around and he became our full-time COO. We gave another guy 10% equity. And that's when I lost my control. Ah, you didn't have the majority anymore. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I became 45%. He became 45%. And another guy became 10%, which means the two older gentlemen could gang up on me at 55% equity. And we worked together for a couple of years, 2016, 2017. 2017, we tried business counseling. Yes, that exists. Trying to work out the marriage. Because it is like a marriage. <laughs> yep. See, how, how could we possibly run this business together? There wasn't a lot that we saw eye to eye on. And so in 2018, guys kind of devised a plan to kick me out, had me walked out with security, even had my phone number of 20 years suspended. That was part of the war factor. It's like, you know, we could have been amicable. We could have talked through this. We could have tried to make this work in some way, shape, or form. Uh, You didn't need to to get all hostile um, takeover on me. So anyway, that was basically what happened. So three days later, I started Optima. Three days later, love it. I had a big checklist of things that I had to go through to start a business, cloud servers, QuickBooks files, business insurance, S-Corp status, hiring employees, setting up payroll, you know, the the works. And uh, three weeks later, I ended up moving across the street from my old company. The guys didn't like that very much, but uh, almost 30 employees came with me. And we fought for a year and a half in litigation to which I felt the outcome was Uh, I was very happy with the outcome, not saying anything other than that, just it worked well for me. And here we are a couple years later, two and a half years later after the settlement and after I sold them back all of my shares and Optima has 92, three employees. Oh, wow. That's amazing growth. We are at a $10 million annual run rate right now, uh, recurring revenue as a firm. So in four years to get to that point, Owning 100% of the company, having no partners, I think that's a great lesson to learn to, you know, really be, take partnerships carefully. 
And then because of the litigation, because of all that, I learned a lot about how to work with just emotional intelligence, how to work well with others, even better than before. You know, and I learned, be careful what you put in writing. It can always come back, especially in this digital age. Just be very careful. Think through what is actually on an email communication. Right, right. It can come back to bite you. It could be interpreted many ways sometimes too, right? Yeah, but that was, it was tumultuous, but it was probably one of the biggest blessings that ever happened to me, happened to me. And now having a son is definitely the biggest blessing because I really never planned on being a mother. To be honest, I am 43 and it was just not, I wanted to grow a business, you know, and I want to continue growing the business. But being a mother was not my priority. It was my husband's. Oddly enough, it was the other way around and he just really, he wanted to be a dad and have a family. So I said, all right, gear up, here we go. And uh, we got pregnant very, very easily thank god and uh yeah mason is six weeks old awesome awesome well you know these are those defining moments right and it's kind of interesting you like two things that really set you in a different direction right i mean it's like and they they weren't positive it wasn't like uh, oh this wonderful thing happened and the wonderful thing led to the next wonderful thing it was much more of like whoa this is not this supposed to work this way and here i am so um when you kind of relaunched the business, I mean, was there some pieces of that that you kind of could look at the history and say, I'm going to do it a little differently this time, other than just the partnership thing and say, I'm going to yeah. keep control. But like, were there some other things you go, you know, this is round two and I want round two to look different than round one. I kept a lot of the things that were working well. And in fact, a lot of clients came with me and almost 30 employees. And so I kept the people and took a lot of the people that I really, really wanted to come with me that I respected and valued. But I think when you start up an organization, you inherit people and processes and things that you wish you could get rid of. And all too often you have an onboard terrorist or two who you're afraid to get rid of because you don't want them to sue you or you don't want them to get hostile or you don't want bad things to happen. So you kind of just keep these people in place. And there was a couple of individuals, one specifically, she was kind of a nightmare. And so I kept her in place and I was afraid that she'd retaliate. And so starting company two and not having this particular individual along with a few others that I just really wasn't happy with and they weren't performing and people just kind of skated by. That's something that you have to, as a business owner, if these people aren't working for you, get rid of them. Mm. Document reasons why especially California's not well state, just get rid of them. Don't keep people on longer than you need to. And I think that's something that I definitely learned. You, you shouldn't be held hostage to bad employees. Right, right. And some of the processes, you know, even, I hate to say Gmail, but that's not necessarily the safest server, especially for an accounting firm to be using. And so everything now is on Microsoft SharePoint. We have all the premium versions of Everything IT specific, you know, cyber, just being so careful, not getting hacked. And, you know, we are very proactive about all of that and just good systems and processes. And, and then lastly, I think the biggest thing for me is trusting my management team to make decisions. And even if they didn't make the same decision that I would have made, they're doing their very best to make decisions and to help grow your business And I believe I have such a phenomenal management team that truly treats the company as their own. And I take very good care of them. I do what I can to be, you know, a good leader and motivate them and bring out the best in them. 
But I didn't lead like that when I first started my company. I felt I was a little more frazzled. You know, there's so much going on. Right, and trying to control everything. Yeah, trying to control everything and, and try to have my hands in everything. And now I've, especially having a baby and being on maternity. Now you're really going to learn what it means. I, <laughs> del- yeah, <laughs> delegated and let people make decisions and empower them and be responsible. And I think I'm going to keep it that way. I think I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, do what is the utmost important things for me to do as a CEO and leader of the organization. Oh, I love that, Jennifer. And keep all the other stuff with who does it, who does it well. Maybe certain things not as good as I would necessarily do it, but they'll get there and they'll learn like sales, right? I mean, I'm a pretty decent salesperson, accountant slash salesperson. So letting the team learn to be very good at sales and closing deals, so, wow. Yeah. I love that. So that's the transformation, right? Yeah, I mean, transformation. It, so you had a great chance to reset, yep. right? Okay. Clean piece of paper. What's good. What's bad. Yeah. Don't be held hostage. That's a really good one. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I, that hostage piece is when you have that employee, take a salesperson who's an amazing salesperson and they can really deliver the goods, but at the same time, leave a huge wake causing all kinds of problems. Yeah. I see that kind of hostage thing often. Yeah. Performer in one area, but a disaster in another. Those are always tough ones. Yeah, I think one final just defining thought for business owners is to be so careful with your onboarding and hiring process. Well, I was going to ask, so how do you avoid, right? That's the key, right. <laughs> not, not being in that situation. So how do you go about doing that? What? Give us some tips. Well, we have a pretty darn good HR team at, at Optima. We've got a dozen HR people Obviously, we provide HR services, and I use my own HR services. And so just having a good documented onboarding and hiring process is critical. But our hiring process is very unique. We not only give people an IQ test, we have them do a TOA test. TOA. Tolerance of ambiguity. So with consulting, it is not your nine-to-five Every day is different. Clients need different things. There's fire drills. We have 32 controllers at Optima, and that's one of the hardest positions you can have because you're managing six, 10 plus companies, and things happen. You know, you've got 10 different people you're reporting to, so to speak, and providing financial statements for. So I think it's just maintaining that quality and that excellence in are they able to keep up with changing scenarios so tolerance of ambiguity is a, is a oh, that's interesting i have never heard of that before yeah so it's yeah. your ability to live in this the dynamics of that particular kind of job right a company called xq innovation and a guy that owns it is uh, named joe kashmiri he's the one that brought it to our attention and we started utilizing it and then we also do an accounting exam or an hr assessment multiple choice debits and credits it's got essays it's got real life examples about what would you do if this happens how do you post these checks? How do you reconcile accounts? So we want to test their... So both kind of that, so that's the technical side, right? Making sure they've yeah. really got what they need there. We do a little bit of weeding out on the soft skill side too. We do an initial assessment before we even give them the IQ and the TOA. And once they do well on those things, we give them the hard skills testing. And then finally, every single person that works for Optima meets with me as their, as their final interview. I've been known to hire people on the spot. I usually know within 10 minutes if I if I want to hire them and I like them and I've already seen their test scores and I am mostly looking for someone that is kind, caring, flexible, values work-life balance and that's something that's going to keep them with me. So we have pretty high retention. Yeah. 
And I, my vision, my, my, literally our vision statement is to have the highest retention in the industry. I believe we do. I haven't measured the numbers, but I know that our competitors have much higher turnover than, than we do. So I'm definitely grateful for that and the processes are working. So obviously a huge hurdle just to get in the door, right? I mean, <laughs> you don't just walk in and go, hey, I want a job. Well, yeah, which is interesting. I'm hiring. Yeah. We, we, a lot of people are asking, that must be really difficult to hire and find people. And it's not. We are among the few that we do not have a problem hiring. We hire two to three people every single month. So this is a complete opposite of what you're hearing from everybody else out here. It's like, oh, you can't find people and you can't retain people and those kinds of good things. So right. So what else are you doing, Jennifer? So obviously, you know, it's a challenge to get in the door, but once you're in the door, how do you feed that? How do you maintain that? How do you keep me like going, man, this is the place I jump out of bed in the morning I want to go to? Well, we give people a lot of independence and flexibility. Back to how, how you were saying earlier, right? You know, right? it's like get people are put the right people in the right spot and let them go own it. Yeah. Right. I mean, with 93 employees, I don't want to know where they are at every single day. I don't want to check in with everybody. We have 300 plus clients that are actually, I don't want 350 at this point in time, but we don't want to micromanage anybody or anything. So we've got some standard protocol. We've got quality control. We've got good training. We've got great people and just let them do their job, trust them, empower them. And that's been, you know, a critical component flexibility and kindness. So do you find the majority of the people coming in your way are coming via referral from current uh, employees or? Maybe 15%. Okay. Maybe 15% of referrals, which we had more. Referrals are great. That's one of the right. best ways to hire people, obviously. Um, we look at local colleges and we. So you like to hire younger folks and then look to develop them so and bring them up? Master's programs, master's of accounting, some people that are getting their CPA. We have 44. Uh, let's say half of our workforce are controller level and above. Okay. So, we've so they got experience. Heavy, heavy hitters in terms of their experience and technical aptitude. But I would say the college side is we'll hire four staff accountant level people a year, four or five that or maybe a year out of college or right out of school to start them as an intern and build them up. But we do a lot of recruiting. So we do recruiting as business. We only charge 5% upon hire, mm, 5% after 90 days, which is dirt cheap. I like that pricing. It makes sense. We charge an hourly fee up front to do some of the recruiting. It usually takes 10 to 20 hours, roughly. So it works. But we have LinkedIn. We have ZipRecruiter. We have, I think, the ladders we use. Uh, yeah, we have to put a name of a recruiting platform, and we're pretty much paying for that subscription. So we're always hiring. Always recruiting. Always, always looking. Looking for good talent. I'm looking currently right now for a practice leader. I want somebody who's a CFO that's had at least 10 years of CFO experience, maybe ideally someone who's a CPA and that wants to help me grow the practice for the next 15 years. Nice. Um, you know, maybe 15, 20 years or so is how long I would like to keep Optima around. No interest in selling whatsoever. Again, I, money doesn't motivate me and I'd love to just do this for quite some time. So a little insight, um, maybe for someone sitting here listening, going, I, I want to be Jennifer Barnes. <laughs> Back to like what Dino said, and I've seen it validated. Um, it's not uncommon for me to go some networking, whatever thing, and who's there but Jennifer. <laughs> so maybe kind of speak a little bit to that. Like um, if there was a younger version of you that's out there trying to get going. Call me old. 
I didn't say that. You're a brand new mom for crying out loud. You got a long haul, girl. <laughs> so, yeah. So say me, I'm in my 30s, right? I've got a little bit of experience, but, you know, I want to go out there and I really want to start to, um, you know, put my footprint out there and make something happen. What advice would you give? Like I said, I mean, I see you're networking a lot. There's some things that you say, but that's a high value thing. That's such a high value. So based on your experience, what guidance would you give? I think it's different for everybody. I think it's good to know which groups are out there and what events are out there and just kind of decide which ones are the right ones for you. Not all of them are right for everybody. And some people are introverted and they don't want to be out at events. That sounds like a nightmare to them. On a Myers-Briggs, I am a 100% extrovert. There's, I think, four or five uh, meters or whatever. On right. the, on the, you pegging the needle on that one? I'm 100 on all four of them. And I think the person that originally gave me the Myers-Briggs, uh, maybe this was five or six years ago. Did you take it again? Like, but there was something wrong. That's not right. <laughs> that's just weird. Who the hell is 100% extroverted in every category? But I'm also an accountant. Yeah, right. And kind of the opposite. It's That's just a strange thing. I'm 50% right brain, 50% left brain, and that's also kind of strange. So I don't know. I, I'm a fairly unique individual in some ways, but I think it's important for people who are trying to get out and build their business to network in whatever way makes sense for them, but to really focus on referring other people, on trying to look at what other people are doing, listen to their businesses, listen to how you can help them and connect them. I absolutely love connecting people. Mm. And so if I meet two people who would be a good connection for one another, I'm all in. Got to make it happen. I just am like a natural matchmaker. It's just fun for me. And I've always been that extroverted, you know, bring people together. My group of friends say I'm the glue that keeps the whole group together and people have met because of me and become friends because of me. And, and I've actually had people get married because of me. So, you know, I just, I like that connecting. So whatever you can do to help other people, don't do it as a strategy because, oh, I'm going to go and help these people because I'm expecting something back. Do it to just be a good person. Be, be of service. People. Be of service, help other people. And, you know, things just go the way that they're supposed to. You know, at some level, I mean, so being an extrovert and being out there, that just puts you in front of a lot of people, right? So that's part of it too. You got to get out. I mean, yeah. you can't sit in your closet and go, all right, you know, I'm, I'm going to go help some folks, but hopefully they come into my closet so I can find them. I mean, <laughs> sooner or later you got to go out and kind of touch people and say, let's, you know. We have to do good work too, yeah, right? right. I mean, you, could, you can meet a million people and you can build this great business. And then if you're not doing good work, it's not going to last very long. Right. So I think that's one of the things, fortunately, over the last 10 years that I've been in this industry, I have made a name for us and that we do really good work. All right, that's key. We care about people. We genuinely want to get in their businesses and ensure that they have great financial statements. They have the proper analytics to help them grow. You know, we want them to be profitable. We want them to start stacking cash. You know, we want their accounts receivable to be on time. And on the HR side, we really want them to f go by the, the right amount of rules that are going to keep them out of trouble and advise them accordingly. A lot of people have too many contractors right now, and the IRS is cracking down on independent contractors. And so it's going in and doing that HR assessment. Are you running a good business? How can we help you? Let's make sure your books are clean. And then I love hiring people, so giving them an opportunity. So I just kind of think what we do is just beneficial to all. And that's why I love it so much. So you made, a, you made an interesting comment too, though. I mean, you know, you did some testing. You got some understanding of who you are, right? Yeah. We got things we naturally know we kind of like, but, you know, put some words to it, understand those kinds of things. And you were making the comment of being an accountant and an extrovert. So I have an engineering degree. I'm not pegging the meter on <laughs> being an extrovert, but I'm definitely an extrovert yeah, over an introvert. Yeah. So I think we have to be careful about 
people kind of telling you who you are too, right? It's like, oh, you're an accountant, so you, you got to be one of these people, you know? Right. And I think a lot of us have a yin and a yang, right? There, there's two sides of the coin here. So I think people need to do a good job of kind of figuring out who they are and then go play their game versus what someone else has told you. So maybe talking about Optum a little bit, you've um, won some various awards, the Torture Awards for the BBB, Best Place to Work. So as a leader, why do you pursue those things? Why do you see that's important? Because that's kind of an accreditation that maybe at some level from outside sources versus, ah, I already know we're a great company to work at. So why do you go out and look for kind of those validations? Why do you do that as a leader? My PR manager tells me to. <laughs> it's good for business. No, no, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm half kidding. I've always been a fan of solidifying best place to work. And I think it's a good recruiting tool. And it's something you can't game. It's not a coloring contest. You truly are a great place to work because those contests are difficult. And you have to get your employees anonymously to all actually fill out the survey. You don't know who did and who didn't. Mm -hmm. And they actually have to say nice things about your company. And so that, to me, is just validation that I'm doing the right thing and that people like working at my companies. And that's been my favorite competition of is best place to work, which I believe I've had seven or eight years in a row now of best place to work, which is definitely something I strive for to continue. And then BBB, Torch Awards for Ethics, I have seen that award competition for so long. I've been like, wow, those are really good businesses, and they've proved to be good businesses. I knew the process was really difficult. I mean, it's definitely a lot of effort. I have to say I probably put in six to eight hours time between the essays and the interviewing and the video and everything you have to do. And so to win that, to actually be the winner in the medium business category was like, wow, we are really doing something right. And I think that allows, that lends us a lot of credibility. So companies that want to do business with us have seen, wow, they have that validation as an organization. So that's been uh so it's kind of a dual validation. One, it's like the outside world, well, it's like your PR person. It's not bad to get your you know, name up there and people go, oh, okay, I've heard of that company. I heard they're doing yeah. good things. But as a leader, it's actually some really kind of quantitative way of saying, am I doing a good job? Yeah. Because we can kind of start to kind of look at ourselves and think we're doing a good job. But who's actually going out and validating and really asking the employees? You can wait until like, oh, I seem to have a retention problem in the company versus like, no, we're actually doing things and finding ways to test that right up front. I think too, you know, being in the accounting industry, it's mostly a male-dominated industry. I think most accounting companies, if you look, are all owned by, by men. And, and so for me, being a female leader in the accounting industry, I think that is I've almost been a black sheep to a certain extent. I've stood out and people have said, wow, you're a female in this space. And so that's been cool as an example for other women, for especially student entrepreneurs and, and, and women business owners to say, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a male dominated industry, go for it, do it, get after it. Right. So I think that's important too, to have, you know, especially young women to have something to look forward to. So when uh, I had an opportunity to attend the Torch Awards and I love the story that you told and I don't know that's part of what got you over the top to get the, to win the award or whatever, but just what you what you did during COVID. Maybe, yeah. maybe you could share that with the audience. I think that was a really great story with the PPP loans and all that kinds of good stuff, how you approached that. Because that's when leadership yeah. gets tested, right? Yeah. When things get crazy and are we going to sink? Are we going to die? Are we going to, what's going to happen here? So maybe share a little bit what you did during COVID. 
Yeah, I think many business owners got a little bit greedy to a certain extent, and they took loans they didn't need. And then, you know, they were running out of funds for some of the businesses that really needed it. And even a lot of the not-for-profit companies, you know, they didn't get enough. Maybe they didn't have, maybe they have large budgets, but low employee count. And so they lost a lot of their funding, and they didn't get as much in loans as they could have. And so for me, I thought, how can I give back? How can I pay it forward? You know, we did get a PPP loan, which was very necessary at the time, so that I didn't have to lay off any of our employees. At that moment, I believe we had close to 50, maybe 50, 60 employees, somewhere around there. And some of our clients were not operating, you know, let's say restaurants, hospitality, event companies, um, you know, businesses that lost a lot of what they were doing overnight. We lost some of that revenue. And so what we did was say, well, we still need to keep the employees that were working on those clients busy. What can we do to keep them busy, keep them retained, keep them happy, keep them fulfilled and still working during the pandemic uh, while also giving back and paying it forward? So I said, well, why don't we just give away the work? Let's just pay. I think we gave away about $80,000 in nice. accounting and HR services and kept my team busy, donated to the companies that needed it. And it certainly wasn't a strategy. It was just what I thought was the right thing to do. And then here we are a couple years later and everyone's like, wow, that was a good move. I'm like, well, it wasn't really a move. It was just something I wanted to do to help out. Right thing to do at the time, right? Yeah, do the right thing when no one's looking. I think that's uh, one of the things sort of interesting in the whole conscious capitalism, B Corp and all these sort of uh, stories. Uh, I even did a panel at the cause conference and talking about, you know, the skeptic, you know, is this a good way to lead your business? And, so one of the challenges and one of the goals of the cause conference is how do we start to bring um, a for-profit and non-profit companies together to go do some initiatives and Hancock in here um, from Believer the other day. And he said something I thought was really powerful and true is, you know, there's the big laundry list of all the social ills and somehow you just feel like you got to do one of the 20 or whatever's on the list. That's not necessarily so. Just go do something good. And the more in line with what you already do <laughs> that fits your business and who you are, the better it's going to be. So I think there's such a great opportunity. I think leaders just don't realize, just do what you do yeah. and offer that up and get your employees involved in that. And that can be really powerful. Nonprofits need it. And there's a lot of great causes out there. Just pick one. Yeah, okay. pick one. Don't have to do Animals them all. Animals or, or the elderly or the homeless or, you know, the food bank. Just pick something. I really value education. And so junior achievement is near and dear to me, you know, making sure that kids understand financial literacy. That's where I met you, Jennifer. Right? Oh, yeah, that's right. We started off with that. See, that's the other thing that comes out of that, right? I mean, you get to meet a whole new group of people. Yeah. I mean, for me, understanding how to balance a checkbook and know how to manage your money, I am just still beside myself that they don't teach that in high school. How is that not important? So, you know, supporting organizations like that and especially STEM and just making sure that kids are, students are educated and have a good career path. To just focus on ourselves and this generation and the ones before us, you know, that's not going to help the future generation. So it's, right. that's near and dear to me is, is uh, students and education. So we got to kind of come to the end yeah. of the program yeah. already. So what's the big thought? What's the big idea if, you know, for folks that, uh, you know, listen to this podcast. You're a highly successful lady that's done many, many things. Great leader, lots of accolades, and but also not easy, right? The ups and downs, persevering through the challenges. What's the big idea? What would you want someone to walk away from and go, all right, I'm, I'm going to own that thing I just heard? 
Oh, man, wrap everything up in one second. <laughs> there you go, 80-20. I, I think be strong, be resilient, be confident, do the right thing, take care of others. You know, you'll find your path. Don't necessarily chart it all out because things aren't always going to go according to plan. But power through, push through, stay resilient. Keep taking steps, huh? And be kind in the process. Ah, there you go. Hold it loosely, right? <laughs> Let it come your way. Right? You said that, like, go with the flow, right? I think uh, I, I always picture, like, going down a, you know, like a kind of a rapid river. Am I just going with the river or am I going against the river? Am I trying to go faster than the river? That's all it takes a lot of energy. <laughs> right? Just go with the river. And every once in a while, you're in the rapids. Sometimes you're in the calm, but just go with the river. Well, that was awesome, and I really appreciate you coming in. So uh, I want to thank you for sharing some of your amazing experience, insights, and wisdom, Jennifer. And I also want to thank you for all the wonderful work you've been doing in our community. I mean, you're, you're everywhere. You're supportive. You were behind the Big Cause Conference we were just involved in. And uh, thank you for that. San Diego is a better place because you're here. So that's our show for today. And if you enjoyed it, please subscribe and comment, and most importantly, share the podcast with a friend. And again, special thanks to our community of business organizations, the Better Business Bureau, Conscious Capitalism San Diego, and Be Local San Diego. We're all collaborating and using the influence of business to positively impact our very own community of San Diego. I'm Jeff Blanton from Geobreak Leadership saying, in the meantime, go do what you do. Go do what you do best, or we're all counting on you. <laughs> <laughs>